This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. You get to make all kinds of choices about your environmental footprint, your green impact. Certainly what you choose to eat matters. Sometimes you're doing more than just feeding yourself. You could be feeding a furry friend like a cat or a dog. And just like the sustainable food choices you have to make on what goes into your body, you have to consider things like raw materials that go into pet food, manufacturing, packaging, and transportation. So to help sort through some of those conundrums and details is Lawrence Gunther. Lawrence is the host of Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther on AMI-audio. Hey, good morning, Lawrence. Morning, Dave. So, Lawrence, why is sustainable pet food such an issue for pet owners? It's just the massive size of the uh, the sector, right? I mean, you think about all the cats and dogs that we own in North America. Dave, it's 64 million tons of greenhouse gases are emitted just by the processing and, and, and sourcing and delivery of pet food to our retail stores, 64 million tons. It's equivalent to about 13.2 million cars driving around in one year. Wow. What about the raw materials here, the raw materials that go into the food as well as the uh, where the manufacturers are getting this food from? Over the last 10 years, you've seen a big trend of small and medium-sized dog food manufacturers being bought up by large uh, food processing companies. So, you know, if you think about what goes into chocolate bars, potato chips, you know, fish sticks, anything that we eat in a can or a frozen package of some sort, there's byproducts that come from that manufacturing process, things that hit the factory floor, things that just can't, you know, qualify to be put into our food. What do they do with it? Well, they figured something else. They'll put it into pet food. So that's the big trend these days. But what it means is, you know, you have a giant plant now that's collecting the uh, the byproduct, the leftover, whatever it is, coming from the human food factories and then processing it and putting it into pet food and then shipping it out. So it's very centralized now. But to my brain, doesn't that constitute being reasonable with your resources? That food was going to go in the garbage anyway. Absolutely, Dave. It's, it's you know, it's zero waste concept, right? And, you know, any waste in manufacturing is profit loss. So this is, it's a good thing. I mean, you can't complain about that for sure. It, you know, then you have to look at, okay, what, what goes into those products? Where are those products and, and what else is being used? Because surely... It can't just be, you know, leftover food that doesn't make it to our plate. I mean, it would be great if it was, but that's not the case. Either. Right. What about the transportation side of the equation? Yeah. So you got products coming in from all sorts of places to the manufacturing, right? So where they're, say, processing fish, you know, the, anything that can't be used for human is is shipped over to the factory by, pro, you know, processing chicken. You know, we've heard a chicken meal. That's the skin and the meat and maybe the bone or maybe not the bone. Now, this gets a little gross, Dave, but that's not what goes into the pet food necessarily. What goes into the pet food is the chicken byproduct meal. So that could be the neck, the guts, the undeveloped eggs, the feet. 
but not the feathers. Don't worry, we're not feeding our dogs okay. feathers. <laughs> not not intentionally, anyways. A few might get in there, but so th there's a lot of product that, that comes from you know, manufacturing that just isn't suitable for human consumption. And that has to be all shipped from all these different factories all across North America to these pet food factories and then shipped to us at our retail. So there's a lot of shipping involved by rail, by truck, you know, it's, it's, um, there's a lot of shipping. So that means more greenhouse gases. Right. So you're moving a lot of stuff around rather than maybe having one plant next to the other plant to, uh, to minimize some of that. What about, what about the packaging? Because certainly, uh, when it comes to human food, uh, packaging is always a flashpoint and companies mm -hmm. to their credit are doing a bit of a better job with packaging, but there's still a lot of waste that I notice in my day-to-day -day interaction with packaging what could pet food manufacturers do better when it comes to packaging so their primary concern is how to produce pet food that's sterile that's gonna that's preserved that's not going to poison our animals that's going to have a long shelf life right and those seem so like those seem like very reasonable uh practices <laughs> absolutely dave so you know they're they're thinking oh, okay when we mix wet food, they mix it, they put it into a can, they put it into a package, they cook it in that can or jar or package, and they seal it up right away, and it's sterile. Or when it comes to, you know, dry food, you know, they make a nice dough, they spread it out on a pan, they push it through a, a high-intensity uh, pressurized cooker, it comes out nice and hard, they cut it with a die caster, they spray it with preservatives and, and food enhancers, and they put that in a, in a package. Either way, this stuff can last years, right? I mean, they know how to make the stuff so it has a long shelf life. So, you know, that's, that's nothing wrong with that for sure. You know, what the packaging they use, whether it's a can or a, a tub of some sort of plastic tub or a paper bag or a plastic bag, it's more about preserving and protecting and standing up to transportation, less so about, you know, reusable and renewable. A can for sure, you know, but as far as all the rest of it, there's not a huge... You don't see a lot of the stuff that's uh, the packaging is 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 reusable or recyclable, unfortunately. So here's where the onus flips to the pet owner, right? Obviously, you want industry to do their part, but the owner needs to do their own due diligence. How can pet owners find out what pet food is actually sustainable? You got to do a fair bit of uh, searching, right? So it'll show you what the the all the different things that are in your pet food and then you've got to figure out okay well what does that mean and uh, it, but really where does the uh, the source come from where was the grains the corn the you know where's the fruit the vegetables where is the uh, the meat coming from and the only way we'll know about that is if it's a third-party certification something like certified humane or certified organic if that's on there on the packaging th that's a pretty good indication that the whole food chain, right, from farm to fork is is a sustainable, organic product. If you just read the packaging, it's a may this and may that and, you know, pushing. Uh, there's a lot of greenwashing, Dave, going on. And, uh, you know, that's that's a challenge, right, to sort through all that. So for fear of uh, falling into the greenwashing conspiracy, what companies are doing things better or well? Dave, I, I read a lot of labels for this. I will visit a lot of websites. <laughs> and... I don't want to say one over the other because I can't be certain, you know, the language is so legalistic. It's so spin oriented in, in how they phrase this stuff. I'm not, you know, without doing a deep dive, like this is, this is a W5 kind of thing. This is a marketplace investigation thing. It's way beyond my skill set just from reading the, the package on a, on a 
on a dog food or cat food package. It, it, it's, it's, you're never going to figure it out. They're very clever in how they, they, they phrase all their, you know, terminology and, and how, what's on your product in the end though, Dave, I think if you bought something locally, if you went to your butcher and I know people who do this and just say, look, you know, whatever you can't sell, you know, in terms of chicken or beef or pork, what's not going to make it just hang on to it. You know, they, they don't want to throw that stuff out either. And they can put it into a big bag and give it to you and you can then take it home and you can put it into the size that your animal needs for a meal. And then you can freeze that, right? You can freeze that, but you also have to then add the nutrients, you, the minerals, the vitamins that has to be added. And you have to add some vegetables too, because you can't just feed your animal just pure meat every day. It's not going to be enough. So it gets pretty precise, right? You have to, and you can't feed your animal just uncooked vegetables because they, you know how an, a dog eats vegetables. They eat it, they get it in their stomach with all their stomach juices. Then they throw it up and they let it sit there for 12 hours and, and, and decompose a little bit. Then they go back and eat it again. Yeah, you... That's the only way they can break down the fiber. Uh, so you need to you need to steam it a little bit. You need to cook it a little bit, get that fiber breaking down. Otherwise, you're going to have that mess to deal with, right? So, But local, <laughs> local food, you know, if, if you can find a local manufacturer that's working with a local uh, source uh, of protein and, and plant and uh, fruit and vegetables and, and doing a good job, it's always better because all your distances are cut in half. And that means way less greenhouse gases. And, uh, you know, the less transportation, the better, right? Clearly, Lawrence Gunther is a dog owner. Clearly, he knows about this uh, this life of uh, smells and vomits and other kinds of expulsions. Uh, Lawrence, one more question here on the way out. You are the host of Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther on AMI-audio. What's coming up on the next episode? Right now, if you tune in, you're going to learn how to identify the difference between a crow and a raven by Ooh. the look when you're the silhouette when they're flying over top of you or just by their call. So we can have, you know, you'll become a crow and raven call expert. We also have information on the latest all-terrain cane from David Epstein and what's coming out. He's, he just announced an urban terrain cane. So uh, no, it doesn't have any self-protection. Uh, uh, you know, it doesn't pop out a lid taser, taser or something like that. It's <laughs> just a white cane. And uh, But coming up on Saturday at 2.30, Dave, we're talking to a young lady who experienced a lot of violence and crime uh, over a very short period of time. And how it affected her with PTSD and how she turned to uh, to the outdoors and fishing to heal. And it's quite an amazing story. Lawrence, sounds like a really interesting show. Thank you for this. Have a great day. Thanks, Dave. Keep That's it up. That's Lawrence Gunther. He's the host of Outdoors on AMI-audio. You can find that show Saturdays, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time. And you can find Lawrence on Twitter at Lawrence Gunther. In 60 seconds, Alex Smythe has the weather story of the day. There's a storm brewing. But first, here is Canadian press reporter Karen Rebo with your Morning Business Minutes. Weakness in energy stocks weighed on Canada's main stock index yesterday. Toronto's TSX index closed 80 points lower at 19,743. New York's Dow Jones average gained 34 points and the Nasdaq added 40. In Tokyo this morning, the Nikkei index lost 436 points and our dollar is trading overseas this morning, lower at 72.78 cents US. The CRTC is going to allow independent internet companies to sell service over the five 
fiber networks of larger telephone companies in Ontario and Quebec. It's a move intended to revive dwindling competition for internet services and comes amid an ongoing review of third-party access to fiber networks. Unifor says Stellantis production workers have voted 60% in favour of a new contract with the automaker. The deal covers about 8,200 workers at Canadian Stellantis operations and mirrored deals already ratified with Ford and GM. From the Canadian Press Business Desk, I'm Karen Rebo. Thank you very much, Karen. Let's turn to the world of weather. Alex, people in Ontario are not going to know whether it's a raincoat or a winter coat kind of week. Yeah, maybe if there's something in between, a light uh, insulated uh, raincoat, that may be the best bet because uh, we're going to be looking ahead to the weather both tomorrow and Thursday as there is a storm system making its way into Ontario. So it's going to bring a mix of snow, of rain to different regions within the province. And for a large part of the province, it's going to result in freezing rain, especially in the central and eastern regions. So there is a large brand of freezing rain expected between Barrie and Ottawa. And so that's going to be right hovering just below zero with those wet conditions. It's, it's going to be really ugly getting in and around. For the GTA and the Golden Horseshoe, we're just so far south that the conditions are a bit warmer, so it's expected to be primarily rain, but at night, overnight, those temperatures may drop just below freezing or hover at freezing, so it may result in icy conditions, whereas more north, there will be more ice pellets in, in those uh, ice conditions. And this system is basically meeting up with two other fronts uh, as it makes way through Ontario. So there's one coming from the west in the prairies and one coming from the south in the U.S., and that's going to linger in the area for a couple of days. So these conditions are expected to be quite rough as people are making their way both to work tomorrow and coming home from work on Wednesday. And then that morning commute on Thursday could be really treacherous, especially if the, the conditions drift, it gets a bit colder and there's ice on the road. So people should just proceed with caution as they make their commutes later in this week. Get the grippies ready. Alex, thank you for this. Coming up next, how do you choose the right university? Community reporter Anna Kim will share her firsthand experience. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-tv. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.